You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. So, welcome everybody to the CCV GTT presentation call. Today is Wednesday, December the 15th, 2021. I'm really happy to welcome Jeff Godfrey to present to us on his app for indoor navigation called Accessibility. Uh, and we're really excited to have him here. It's a Canadian app, a Canadian system. And so we're proud of that. And some of us on this call have checked it out and tested it in various ways. Uh, but it's great to have Jeff here and we will turn things over to Jeff. Thanks very much, Kim. Uh, happy to be here. And uh, it's nice to always get to, you know, have these conversations and learn more about how we can improve the app. That's one of the the major purposes of doing things like this, and also to help provide a bit of training. So uh, Accessibility is an indoor navigation and wayfinding app um, with a mission to empower users to navigate within buildings uh, using an innovative, customizable, and low-cost technological solution. And I'll get into the details of that kind of as we go. Um, the background here is we created Accessibility you know, just to empower users to navigate buildings independently uh, using architectural technology models. So it was meant to be cost effective for building owners because we know that, you know, social innovation doesn't get adopted if it's very expensive and also free to the users. So that's one other thing about the app that's important. Um, in order to create it, we've combined technologies from different sectors like, um, well, first of all, architectural and engineering technologies, which I'll tell you a bit about, and uh, then also mobile software development and deployment methods. So what is Accessible? So it's really an indoor navigation app that reads architectural drawings and then provides users with the guidance information to get around the building. And the reason we've done it this way, it's, it's meant to be for forward thinking architects and building owners, so they can integrate these drawings in the design phase of a building, not as an afterthought. We wanna bring accessibility to the forefront of projects. Now the app is available on both iOS and Android, and it works with voiceover and talkback, and also voice control depending on your iOS uh, version, which is, is something that, um, uh, has to do with the Apple uh, integration of it. So um, it also has a very customizable interface. So we want directions to come in a way that's natural to the user. So users can set different options based on their preferences, such as level of detail for instructions or the wording for directions or distance units. And I'll show you through the setup wizard a little later so you understand what these options are. The app also includes a lot of real user feedback in the design and development phase. So personally, I'm cited. So I can only go on best assumptions until I get feedback from users and we do the appropriate testing. And we're gonna talk a bit about the testing later because we just went to the Museum of Science and Technology uh, you know, in early November and we did a bunch of testing with different users. And I wanna talk about that a bit because I'd really like to get people's feedback on that. And then finally, the reason we went for the, the low cost solution aspect has to do with, um, you know, eliminating maintenance costs and things like that. And, you know, costs for updating information in the map. Now for us, we don't charge 
uh, you know, extra fees if the user just wants to update the map. Uh, it's only if the building were to change and we have to go build a new model of it uh, that there'd be additional costs for building owners. Another thing that accessibility is, is it's backwards compatible. So it works with older phones as well. And the reason for that is because, you know, a lot of us can't afford the latest and greatest iPhone. Um, so I'm actually using an iPhone 6S for testing and all the functions work perfectly in it. So you can have a fairly old phone and AccessBuild will still work for you. The other thing that's nice about it is once you've installed the app and downloaded the maps, you don't need an internet connection or a data plan uh, to use the map. So you can use it remotely. Um, you know, you could be simulating routes from home so that you know in advance where you're going to be going. Um, and when you're on site, doesn't matter if you don't have a data plan, you can still load that map and use it. So that's not a limitation. The other thing about it is it's designed with privacy and autonomy in mind. Uh, what that means is that you don't really have to have your camera out all the time recording or anything like that. Uh, we don't need a lot of different sensors. The only time we use your camera is really for scanning QR codes because the app is meant to improve your O&M skills and help with navigation inside a building, not to replace them. Um, so the idea is to help users learn a building, especially buildings that you go to frequently. You know, if you work in an office building and you're unsure what's that building, the app can be used to tell you the different things that are in the building. Let's say where the lunchroom is, things like that. Um, so the goal is to help you learn a space. And what it does is it provides the directions and it provides different wayfinding points so that you can help reorient yourself. And I'll get into that a little later as well. Um, we don't collect any personally identifiable information. And like I said, we don't really use the camera except to scan your QR codes. And typically from the privacy side of a building owner, we only map common areas, not private offices usually unless requested. So if a user needs that, it's totally possible to do, but it's not our standard practice. And the other thing is the app is bilingual. So it's available in both English and French. So, so when you talk about indoor navigation, there are really three main functions. The first is wayfinding. Now, how we do that is we use QR codes or we can also integrate existing braille signage or other tactile indicators that are already in the building. And then the second part of that is navigation. So it, it's routing instructions based on your inputs. And then it gives you the option to select the different paths. So um, we do give recommendations. Let's say you're trying to avoid stairs and, and you only want to use elevators. That's, that's a possibility. Or it'll tell you, you know, this one's via escalator and then the distance of the different paths. So it gives you the different options so that you can make the choices that work best for you. And then the third piece is positioning. Now for us, it's called dead reckoning, which means you essentially find your own position using the wayfinding points and the different points of interest that we give you. Um, think of it like an accessible building map that you have access to, to find anything you need to in the building and then set a route to get there. Uh, that's what our primary goal is. Now we. Like I said, we'll provide uh, QR codes and things like that, as well as uh, descriptions of the points of interest so you can verify that you are at the right destination. But ultimately, our goal is, is to get you to use this with your O&M skills. So I just want to go through some of the different customizations that you can do in the app. Um, one of them is when you're getting directions, 
we want them to come, like I said, in a natural way. So uh, directionality, you can do plain language, which is left, right, slight left, things like that. Or you can use a, a clock face. So three o'clock, noon, nine o'clock. And then you can use compass. So north, east, west. Now, the thing is about, about these things, it's relative to you. So one of the questions we get about the compass is, I don't know where north is. Well, north is always in front of you in our case. So it's relative to your position. It's just a way of giving you, uh, you know, a reference of directions um, based on where you are. And then for distances, it's similar. So we have a couple different options. We have meters, uh, we have feet, and then we have steps. So that's an addition that we had made so that um, users can, can calibrate it to their own gait. Um, and we provide help for how to do that, as well as um, options for, for making minor adjustments during your navigation. And, and the reason for that is, you know, if you told me to walk 10 meters, uh, I'd have a difficult time doing it consistently. But if you told me to walk 15 steps, that I can do. So that's why we really like that option. And a lot of users are, let's say, hesitant to try it at first because you know, they think that they can get the distance with meters or feet, and that's absolutely fine. But I recommend that people try the steps because once they get used to it, uh, it's actually quite convenient to use. Now, another one of the options is uh, the points of interest and the level of details. So sometimes you just want to get to let's say the, the Y4U office in our, in our main building. So you just wanna go from the main entrance to that office. You don't care anything that you're passing. You don't need extra details. You just want the straight directions and that's fine. So we have that option, but also if you are trying to learn in the building, what else is there, you can turn this on and it will tell you everything you're passing. So that way you know that there's, you know, there's an A&W in this building or whatever else may be there. So that's, uh, we consider that the navigation type. So it's where there's either direct or detailed instructions. Um, also in there, you have the option to get, um, you know, every little segment in the route. So it will tell you to walk, let's say three steps forward and you'll be at um, Cliver Investments or walk two steps forward and you'll be at a hallway intersection. But it can also give you turn by turn instructions. So if you don't want all that information, once again, uh, you only want to know when you have to turn. Uh, it'll combine all those segments. So it'll say walk five feet forward and you'll be at the hallway. So those are different little options that we allow that you know, customers can use so that the app is more intuitive to them. Another important thing that happened, and a lot of this is because of COVID in this case, it's um, you know when you're selecting your building, it now provides instructions. So let's say there are you know, COVID notices or other paper signage that are typically on doors. Uh, well, now you can get that in a digital format. So, you know, you open up the, let's say museum building, it will tell you the COVID restrictions. Um, it can tell you if there's Wi-Fi and all those other notices that building owners typically put uh, in signage that isn't accessible. And then finally, we've added um, a few other little things for navigation. So, uh, now, when you scan a QR code, it'll ask you if you want to set this as your new departure point. It'll give you any details about that. And uh, it'll also tell you where the QR code is so that you can scan it in the first place uh, relative to your, to your current position. 
some of the new features that we've added this year, we've added a lot of tutorials and training materials on our website, so accessibuild.ca. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the app, there's a ton of information in there and you can go through it and it'll guide you through how you how to use different features. Also this year, we, we've improved the filters for finding points of interest and we continually do so. Um, a lot has actually come out of the museum testing for this because it's a very different type of building um, with the way people use it. And now you're able to find nearby points of interest. So let's say you're um, you know, at the water fountain and you wanna know what's around you, you can now uh, swipe through and it will tell you the things that are nearest to you. We've also integrated uh, Be My Eyes so that you could get sighted assistance if you need it. And uh, the bilingual version has also been released. So um, those are some of the new features that we've put in place and we're also building on those as well. Now for current maps, this is, I think this is the biggest piece um, of the puzzle that's truly important. Until we have a lot of maps, the app isn't particularly useful in the sense that um, until users can use it to navigate their everyday lives, um, we're definitely not where we want to be. So right now we have a couple different maps where we use primarily for testing. Not that the user couldn't use it on site, but uh, one is uh, 176 Lakeshore Coworking Offices, um, which is a, a building that was repurposed and has many, many different services in it. Um, we have the CNIB hub in Sudbury. We have the old CCB office in Ottawa. We haven't done the new one yet. Um, and then we are currently doing beta testing with the Museum of Science and Technology and the Pacific Center, which is a large mall in Vancouver. So just a quick thing about the Pacific Center. It's very interesting. People are talking about Christmas shopping and you know things like that. So that's where this is really useful because you can find out the stores uh, that are in that mall. And then you can also get to those stores um, fairly easily uh, independently, which, which is kind of a nice thing. And we did some testing there in October uh, where users were able to get around the building without any help uh, and find the, the stores that they needed to. So it was really interesting to hear um, you know, how, how people used the app because it's not always the same. So that's a bit about you know, what the app is, but let me tell you how it works and how this all started. So what we do is first we create a 3D building information model, which is an, an architectural drawing essentially. Um, then we process it using our own proprietary algorithm which generates a map that can be downloaded to the user's device in the Accessibuild app. And then finally, the user can just use the model to navigate the building. So once this, this drawing is loaded or this map is loaded into the app, you no longer need an internet connection. So you're okay to go on site uh, without a data plan and navigate that building. Now, I'm gonna just play this quick overview of a, it's a virtual reality model of the Pacific Center and it's taking us from the main entrance to one of the stores. So just so you can hear how the app works. No. Main entrance of the Pacific Center, would you? Can you hear that? Sorry. Yeah, we can hear it, yeah. Okay. 
are at the main entrance of the Pacific Center. Would you like to set this as your departure point? There are restrictions for this building due to COVID. You must wear a mask, social distance. There is a hand sanitizer station five steps forward to the right. With your back to the entrance, walk one and three quarter steps. Turn slight left and walk four steps. Ride the escalator down. Walk five and a quarter steps forward. There is a column half a meter to your right. Turn right and walk four steps. Turn slight left and walk 31 and a quarter steps. Turn slight right and walk 33 steps. Points of interest. Ted Baker, London. One and a half steps right. Turn right and walk one and a half steps and you will arrive at Ted Baker, London. Arriving at Ted Baker, London. Right. So that's a very basic example of how the app works. But those are the types of instructions it gives you. And that's the um, kind of the direct instructions where it didn't tell us details about everything that we're passing, except for the hazard, which there was a column in our, um, on our route. So it will tell you those kinds of things automatically. But that's, that's a quick overview of it, essentially. Um, why, why use accessibility, let's say, over alternatives? And, and one of the things that is really important for us is user-friendliness. So if you try out the app and you have any feedback, please uh, send it to us. Either you can send it directly to me, which is uh, Jeff, J-E-F-F-G, at accessibuild.ca. Or if you want to share it through Kim, uh, that's also fine. Um, the other thing is meant to be very customizable for you. Uh, please take advantage of the training and then the low cost. But the one thing we haven't talked about yet is scalability. So the way that we've built the app, we've made it so it's possible to do a lot of buildings very quickly. Like we can use architectural drawings and things like that. Whereas if we use some of our more advanced methods, like the, um, the LiDAR scanning, which is how we get our models in the first place. And what LiDAR is, is it's basically a, a laser on a tripod that sends out a bunch of beams in a 360 degrees. And as they bounce back, it gets the distance to an object. So it actually creates um, you know, a virtual representation of any object or building uh, in the real world. Uh, now with that, you need, need to scan every building. But with the way that we're going, it's uh, we can do it with accurate architectural drawings, which means that you know, we have millions and millions of buildings to do in order to um, you know, provide more accessible buildings and, and an inclusive society. And so we're going in the direction to make that possible uh, with easier mapping methods. Now, there are things that you can do to help as well. So, one thing is contact your government representatives to tell them that accessibility is important. Um, it's difficult for, for me as a sighted person to tell people that, you know, it's really important that you consider this when you're designing your building or, um, you know, it's important to implement this for users that require it. So it, it's important to hear from you as well. Um, you know, contact local businesses that you visit. You can let them know about accessibility or, you know, other indoor navigation options. Um, provide a link to accessibuild.ca if they need more information. And then the last thing is to download and try the Accessibuild app and provide feedback. Um, we're also always using for looking for testers, sorry, on site. 
Um, and I will be doing some more testing with the museum, it looks like, in the new year. So if anyone's interested in that, please let Kim know. Would you like to talk about the, the museum a bit, a bit of a real world scenario? Um, yeah, and I know that David Brent's on the call, and I know he helped with the Pacific Center, so he might want to talk about that. But um, so we had, I think it was how many tested it? Seven, eight, eight, I uh, think. Seven, I believe. This seven. Yeah. And we had um, someone with low vision. Well, Shelly, everyone knows Shelly. Shelly was there. Um, we had a couple of cane users and couple of guide dog users, myself and another guide dog, two other guide dog users, I think. Yeah. But we couldn't all be there at the same time because of COVID. So we didn't actually, you know, get to test at the same time or so we went, poor Jeff was shuttling us back and forth and, and going in and out. Um, and I would say there were things about it that were really good, but I found there were things that were frustrating. And I know mm -hmm. Jeff knows this because, because I work at guide dog um the instructions meant that people that use guide dogs know that guide dogs choose their path of travel and sometimes it's not straight path of travel um so that my dog wouldn't walk you know 10 steps straight because she might be angling towards something because there's an obstacle or there's a person or so and she's taught to avoid obstacles. So when we were trying to find, you know, the displays, uh, that wouldn't be something she would uh, necessarily think was a good idea. So I found in that way that it was a bit frustrating because um, it was the combination of hearing the instructions, but that my dog, giving my dog the proper instructions meant um, that she was confused and I was confused a little bit. Um, I did really like, you know, the announcements and the fact that I could know, you know, what all was there in the museum, that was really good. I didn't look ahead of time purposefully. And I, I think if I'd done that as a guide dog handler, it would have made it easier because I could have then had the map in my head and given her better directions um, based on what I knew ahead of time, perhaps. Um, so like I'm not meaning to slam the app or anything it's just my experience that I I found it quite frustrating and I know one of the other guide dog users just stopped using her dog and used a cane for the same reason and both of us had very new guide dogs so I think my dog had only worked with me for a month or so when no it was a bit more than that two months almost and the same with this lady too so that might have been part of it but I know um I don't know, David, I don't know if you want to talk about the Pacific Center. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you do, I'd be curious to know about that because that was a totally different environment than what we had with the museum, with all these trying to find exhibits and stuff. I don't know if you want to say anything about what you felt. I'm just looking on the list to see if anyone else. I know that Brian has helped you too um, a lot with testing, but I don't know, David, did you want to say anything about that or sure, it's up I'm to a, you? I, am I unmuted? Yes, you are. Yes. Okay. I, I ask that question a lot. This is my third Zoom meeting today. So, so you say, <laughs> oh, well. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, <I'm, laughs> yeah, we do. Loud and clear, David. Great. Um, yeah, it, it was... Um, uh, Kim, some of your observations um, are the same. I, 
you know, when you're a guide dog user um, and you're counting steps, it's, you know, quite often the first few steps is your guide sort of looking at you say like, you really want to go forward? And yeah, I really want to go forward. So um, it, it's not a, an even um, 10 steps or so, but what I found is that with with my guide, because with a guide dog, quite often um, you're saying find, so find the doorway or find the stairs or find the elevator. So as as long as you have um, a, basically a, a, an understanding of where you are, and you know one of the other. Um, uh, features of AccessiBuild um, is being able to virtually navigate um, your route before you get there. So you, you you get that level of comfort and understanding of what's around you. Um, so yes, that the accuracy depending on whether you're using a cane or a guide dog um, that there's some levels of frustration there. Um, but at the same time, it's sort of one of those things, um, a little information is better than no information at all. Uh, so I, I found that it gave some uh, understanding of the area. And, and of course, what would have also been different um, between the museum and Pacific Center and it was one of the totally blind participants who pointed this out is that it's the music from the stores, which was his main indicator of when he was at the storefront. So if, if he knew it was 10 steps or 20 steps, then he was loosely counting that. Um, he also picked up on his other sort of O&M skills to cover that distance, but the app itself provided that frame of reference. So he understood what was around him. He also understood what store it was. I, I worked um, in the TD Tower at Pacific Center for years. And um, I, I was uh, quite surprised at the number of changes to the stores and stuff. A, a lot I, I didn't know anything about, but it was also with the app of just sort of getting a better understanding of the stores that were there. So I'll stop talking now and let Brian or anybody else uh, carry on. That's great, David. And I think um, we have a couple of hands up too, but I think, um, I think you're absolutely right. Like knowing the information, what's there, what kind of exhibits are there, what kind of stores are there is really meaningful. I know that um, Shelly with low vision, she thought it was great. She just loved it. She thought it was amazing because, you know, she has a little bit of vision, but to know those things and to be able to be sort of guided by them and then hone in with her vision on, say, the museum exhibits themselves. Like when she was getting close to the exhibit, she could see a little, um, what do you even call that, Jeff? I don't know what you call that little Table, uh, she could see little, the the displays or the the yeah, signage the for it when she got close whatever enough. you yeah. call those yeah. things yeah um exactly. you know i was trying to think of what i would call it to get my dog to find it and i didn't know like nothing that <laughs> well she had found in the past with me. <laughs> yes exactly and it was really interesting so if i can tie those two scenarios together um the 
Pacific Center, let's say, was a lot easier with a guide dog because uh, there were usually longer segments as well as there was something that, that a dog would be looking for, like doorways or things. Whereas in the museum, you would have exhibits and things that it's not really, um, let's say, of interest to a guide dog. Uh, or even, let's say, some of the couches are, um, they're not like a standard shape. So if you said find, you know, seat or find couch, uh, they didn't recognize it as that. So there are lots of little things that, um, that were different between the two. Um, which was interesting. So one thing that we're going to do or that we are doing is we're putting a, a new set of instructions for guide dog users that are more relevant to them because you don't really need the same information. Um, like when David would get near an escalator, he'd just say, find escalator. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and he was able or to find the there. door or find the, exactly. find the button or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like they, but you're right, David, I hadn't thought of that about the steps is that, that first step forward is a bit slower and more hesitant than, you know, three steps in is different. It's a different pace yeah. and it's a different pace if they're kind of weaving through as opposed to when they've got a straight shot and they're going, you know, faster. So yeah, it, there's a lot of interesting sort of challenges there for sure. Yeah, um, and I, and I, yes. I, I agree with you on, on that, Kim, is, is that the, I, again, with the steps and all that uh, and the information provided it, is that is, you know, from a blind perspective, it's not going to make you see. Um, but it it does give uh, a frame of reference. Um, I I thought um, and, and I didn't and I haven't done it as as a cane user, um, which I, I will do because I, I'm quite sure it's going to be quite a. A, a different experience because with a cane you would actually locate every element that the that the uh, that the app is telling you about. But with it with a guide dog, um, you don't you don't actually come in contact with things because that's the whole purpose of the guide is to keep you from coming in contact with those things. So it's it's a it's a different experience and. Uh, but I, th I think it's it's one that's, um, you know, as more users use it and give Jeff that feedback, uh, the app will be uh, modified to assist in that. And again, I'm going to stop talking. They said when we tested in the museum, it was empty. It was just us because it was the mm -hmm. day they were closed. So someone, a few people asked me, what about if it's really crowded? Because then the number of steps you take or the angle that you take them, um, and this would have been the case in the mall, I would think, you'd have to weave through, and especially with the dog, the dog might take you way over to the left to weave around like the 10 people that are looking in the window of whatever store it is, right? So your angles will be changed. How quickly does the app respond to that kind of shift? If you had to, like if you're in a big crowd and your steps are slower, smaller, like, you know, uh, or, mm -hmm. or if you have to sort of angle a different way, how quickly does it sort of redirect you and tell you, no, you need to turn right now instead, you know, just because just that's the nature of when you're right. in public places. Right. So that was a right. question for sure that I had a few times. Mm -hmm. So we don't do positioning. Like your phone isn't tracking you as you go. 
you're actually just, it's like you're, you're looking at a physical map and you're finding your own way based on uh, the instructions that it gives you. So we're not, we're not tracking that. But when we did the testing at the Pacific Center, it was actually quite busy. Um, and it wasn't really an issue. People are still getting to their areas. Uh, just That's fine. great. Because if you're off by one step or two, it doesn't really make a difference. You're going to find that object. Um, and, and that's typically about as far off as you'll be. And the idea is that the QR codes can help you with that extra mile as well, because they can be scanned at, you know, uh, five to 20 feet, depending on the size of them and your phone. So. Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll free at one 877 3040968 You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list you can send a blank email to GTT support plus sign subscribe at groups.io And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.net